This episode is sponsored by Isotope. Their audio software like RX helps to clean up my recordings and they have a ton of other products on their site, isotope.com. Right now, Ruinous Media and Fretboard Journal listeners save 10% at checkout on any Isotope plugin or bundle using the code FRET10. Isotope designs award-winning software, plugins, hardware, and mobile apps powered by the highest quality audio processing, machine learning, and strikingly intuitive interfaces so you can focus on your craft. So if you have a podcast or produce music, go to isotope.com slash ruinous and shop their award-winning audio production products and save 10% off your order with the code FRET10. Make your audio sound better. Hello, and welcome to episode 28 of the Design Freaks podcast. I'm your host, Clarita. I'm a Seattle-based graphic designer. And good Lord, I meant to have this episode out way earlier, but uh, I fell down what I think of as basically a water park of interconnected rabbit holes and tubes and gopher slides and chutes and ladders and spider webs. Um, That's my excuse. (laughs) Uh, but yeah, I learned a ton about Daniel Dumoulet, a.k.a. MF Doom, and the art and artist connected to his work. Um, of course, this is only part of the story. There's a lot more, and I had to gloss over a few things. There's a lot more to learn, but um, uh, I did my best. And he does a great job of telling the rest of his story in his lyrics. Uh, he'll be remembered as one of the best writers in all of rap history. But before I get started, I wanted to give some attention to a very good cause. Um, So in 2019, I was fortunate enough to interview Scott Lindbergh, who has since passed away last spring um, and will be greatly missed. Scott was a graphic designer and design historian based in Edmonds, Washington. His personal design collection has been featured in magazines, books, exhibitions, both nationally and worldwide. In episode eight of Design Freaks, we discuss his collection of 50s and 60s jazz records and his exhibit, The Shape of Sound, 20 Designers, 100 Record Covers. Um, So it was his curated collection, uh, which included covers designed by Ronald Klein, Joseph Albers, Saul Bass, Milton Glaser, Seymour Quast, etc., And he tells Ronald Klein's origin story and gives tips for storing records. Anyway, I'm grateful for the opportunity to have spoken with Scott. Uh, And now his oldest niece, Greta, is raising money to name a cancer research grant after him. Um, So she's raising money for the Leukemia Lymphoma Lymphoma Society. Um, So her goal is $60,000 to have a research portfolio in his name. And you can go to the campaign page by going to tinyearl.com slash Greta2021. And it's linked in my show notes. And if you go to designfreakspodcast.com, it's under episodes as number eight, The Shape of Sound with Scott Lindbergh. Her campaign runs until February 28th, 2021. So if you are listening to this after that February 28th deadline, please consider making a donation at lls.org in honor of Scott Lindbergh. Did you fail to dress up for tonight's show? 
No tie, an old shirt and slacks, a house dress? Well, don't give it a thought. We're glad you came as you are. We just want you to enjoy yourself. Kidding. You don't have to get ready. Um, <laughs> but uh, here's my take on uh, the life and work and artwork behind uh, MF Doom. And especially for you listeners who aren't that familiar with his work, um, you may have heard of him or seen the imagery around. This is a great introduction, I think. Um, I'm going to go over his bio, just like some major life uh, circumstances and events. And then I'm going to go over in a little bit more detail, the artists, design companies, and record labels behind his album art and behind his overall aesthetic. So his name was Daniel Dumoulet, and he created the MF Doom character as an alter ego with a backstory he could reference in his music. Um, he was definitely into comic books and villains and things. Uh, the character wore a mask similar to that of Marvel Comics supervillain Dr. Doom, who's depicted rapping on the cover of Dumoulet's 1999 album, debut album, Operation Doomsday, which he himself uh, is credited as illustrating. Um, quick side note, I couldn't, because of all the fan art, it was really hard for me to research his art. Um, I'd love to do a follow-up on that, or at least a post, if anyone could direct me to a good resource. Um, anyway, obviously he was an illustrator, uh, more so a rapper, but I would still love to see just his art and his alone. But anyways, so he wore the mask while he was performing and he would not be photographed without it, except for short glimpses in videos and in earlier photos with KMD. <laughs> Later versions of the mask were based on a prop from the 2000 film Gladiator. Interesting. So MF Doom... Was Zevlov X from KMD? <laughs> I had no idea. Not sure how I didn't know that. Maybe I did and I forgot. Wasn't a huge KMD fan. I definitely like them. I have the, I'm looking at it right now, the Peach Fuzz Gas Face Refill 12-inch single from Electra Records. Uh, released in, what, 1990? I believe, which is pretty funny because... They sampled a song their friends did the year before called The Gas Face by Third Base. Kind of funny. Gas Face by Third Base was from 1989 featuring Zev Love X from KMD, you know, MF Doom. And in the video, Gilbert Gottfried <laughs> plays a sleazy record executive. <laughs> so good. Um, and then KMD released Peach Fuzz. Like I said, in 1990, they sampled Gas Face. And then some other great songs. They sampled Chickaboom by the Paysant Brothers and The Bridge by MC Shan. Also sampled, of course, for the song The Bridge is Over by none other than BDP. I'm worried I'm going to say Doomele or something on accident. I'm just going to call him Doom. Doom sometimes sent stand-ins to perform in The Mask, which he saw as a logical extension of the concept, but angered audiences. That's hilarious to me. Um, he initially claimed that he had lost weight and thus looked and sounded different. <laughs> 
I'm getting some cool Keith vibes here. At a 2010 show in Toronto, an imposter was booed off stage before being replaced by Doom, the real Doom. Um, in an interview with The New Yorker, Doom described himself as the, quote, writer and director of the character, and that he, quote, might send a white dude next. Whoever plays the character plays the character. This is an interesting thought because, yes, all songwriting is, uh, it's being written and directed. It's storytelling. And it's funny what is given that room and that space to grow and exist. Because, for instance, if we watch a movie that was, uh, you know, produced in the 70s, you're going to hear words we don't say anymore, right? seems to be forgiven. It's old. Is that the case with rap music? These are stories. These are characters that are created. And like I said, they're, and like he said, written and directed. Um, so that's something to think about. Um, in November 2019, during his performance at the Adult Swim Festival, electronic artist Flying Lotus announced, announced that he would be joined on stage by Doom. Instead, the masked figure who appeared on stage was revealed to be comedian Hannibal Burris. <laughs> And then Doom's involvement in the prank has not been confirmed. I love a prank, I gotta say. Um, I love a persona. I love all of Cool Keith's Dr. Octagon, Black Elvis, Black Randy. His character, MF Doom, based on the comic book character Dr. Doom, uh, is also a play on his name pronounced Dumalay. Uh, so here we go. I'm gonna go over a bio. He was born on January 9th, 1971 in London, England, and he was married uh, later to Jasmine. Um, his mom was uh, from Trinidad and his father was from Zimbabwe. So when he was young, it doesn't say what age, but he moved to Long Island, New York. So he was there for a long time. Never had his U.S. citizenship, though. Um, but he began, it says here, he do. <laughs> Dumoulin began DJing during the summer after third grade. I mean, what was I doing? I was probably playing Etch-A-Sketch and like doing it really badly. DJing? As a child, he was a fan and collector of comic books and earned the nickname Doom, a phonetic play on his last name, um, among friends and family. So as Zevlov X, the first of many pseudonyms, and boy, there's a lot, uh, Doom formed the group KMD in 1988 with his younger brother, DJ Subrock, and another uh, MC Rodan. Uh, in 93, just before the release of the second KMD album, Black Bastard, Subrock was struck by a car and killed while attempting to cross the Nassau Expressway. Jesus, that sounds scary. Um, in the same week, the group was dropped from Electro Records. The album was shelled before it was released due to its controversial cover art, which featured a cartoon of a stereotypical, like a black Sambo character uh, being hanged. It was uh, like cartoony style art, but uh, yeah, they were not having that. And I'm not posting that art. You can look it up if you want. Um, so like the Silver Apples episode, uh, the art was controversial, but KMD didn't get sued. In fact, it never ended up being released. Uh, the group then obviously ended because of Subrock's death. Um, and after his death, Doom retreated from hip hop, from the hip hop scene from 94 to 97, living quote, damn near homeless, walking the streets of Manhattan, sleeping on benches. 
Um, in the late 90s, he settled in Atlanta. And according to interviews with Dumoulin, he was recovering from his wounds and swearing revenge, quote, against the industry that so badly deformed him. I mean, truly the makings of a comic superhero or villain <laughs> after that. Like, think, and, or Phantom of the Opera, Phantom of the Paradise. This is just, what a story. Um, in 97 or 98, uh, Doom began freestyling incognito at open mic events at a poet's cafe in Manhattan, obscuring his face by putting tights over his head. Son, you got a panty on your head. Uh, Doom released three singles on Bobito Garcia's Ondolim Records. Interesting logo, that one, <laughs> for that label. The singles are Dead Bent, uh, As Metal Face Doom, and then Greenbacks and the MIC. In 99, Fondalum released MF Doom's first full-length LP, and it was called Operation Doomsday. That's the album I know he illustrated himself. Um, in 2001, Doom began releasing his Special Herbs instrumental series under the pseudonym Metal Fingers. In 2003, he released the album Take Me to Your Leader under his King Ghidorah moniker. Later in 2003, he released the LP Vaudeville Villain under the moniker Victor Vaughn. A lot of V's. Um, another play on Dr. Doom, whose real name is Victor Von Doom. Vaughn is spelled differently, obviously. Um, Enemy Magazine described the Victor Vaughn persona as a time-traveling street hustler. Love it. In 2004, he released a follow-up LP under the Victor Vaughn moniker called VV2. Later in 2004, the second MF Doom album, Mmm, Food, was released by Minnesota-based label Rhymesayers Entertainment. And I'll be talking about the artist behind that album cover later, a little bit later. Um, Doom's first commercial breakthrough came in 2004 with the album Mad Villainy, created with the producer Madlib, under the group name Mad Villain. Madlib and Doom met at the in 2002 at the Stones Throw Records headquarters in Los Angeles. And of course, Stones Throw is Peanut Butter Wolf's label, and I'll be talking more about that. It was a critical and commercial success and has since become known as his masterpiece. Um, and I'm also going to talk about the Stones Throw Records artist and designer Jeff Jenk a little bit later. The next year, 2005, uh, with The Mouse and the Mask, uh, which was a collaboration with producer DJ Danger Mouse under the group name Danger Doom. Okay, it was released on October 11th by Epitaph for the United States, but the UK release was on Lex Records, and uh, that was done in collaboration with Cartoon Network's Adult Swim and featured voice actors and characters from its programs, mostly Aqua Teen Hunger Force. I still love to hear it. Um, and I'll be talking more about the different packaging by those two different labels a little bit later. So back to the bio, a timeline. Doom produced tracks for both of Ghostface Kill's 2006 albums, Fish Scale and More Fish. Okay, so then we get into Born Like This. So Doom's Born Like This was released on Lex Records on March 24th, 2009. And that one was influenced by Charles Bukowski, or at least one of his poems. Um, on Born Like This, the first line of Bukowski's poem, Dinosaur A Wee, gives the album its title. As the oily fish spit out their oily prey, as the sun is masked, 
Okay, in early 2010, Doom released the EP Gazillion Ear on Lex Records, designed by E question mark or EH question mark. Not quite sure how to pronounce it. Um, and the E question mark dot com site is under construction right now, but maybe future listeners can get there. Um, this was a compilation of remixes of the track Gazillion Ear from the uh, the album Born Like This. Um, and that included a remix by Tom York and features a voicemail message from Kanye West. Couldn't really tell what he was saying on that. Um, that's on YouTube. Uh, so he released some, li- released some live albums in 2010. Then he went on a European tour. And then, though he lived in the majority of his life in the United States, Doom never gained American citizenship and was denied re-entry in 2010 after returning from that tour for his sixth and final solo album, uh, Born Like This. So after that, he moved to London. And uh, let's see. Yeah, so that denial of re-entry forced him apart from his wife and three kids. And for nearly two years, he saw them only via video calls or during their brief visits to the UK. Um, That same year, he said he was, quote, done with the United States. I feel that. Um, After that, there were countless collaborations. I can't even go through it. It's insane. But uh, 2017 was supposed to release... He was supposed to release something through Adult Swim, but it was canceled. Then in February 2018, Doom and Zarface released Nautical Depth, the first single from their collaborative record, Zarface Meets Metal Face, but reviews were not great. And I gotta say, the cover is not my fave. Uh, it's just not my style. But um, okay, so in 27, also in 2017, Doom announced that his 14-year-old son, King Malachi Ezekiel Dumoulay, had died. Okay, not a good year. Um, Then, okay, so let's go forward to 2020. Doom's wife announced on Instagram that he died, that he had died on October 31st, 2020. Um, It wasn't really confirmed uh, someone from his label confirmed his death to Rolling Stone magazine on December 31st, 2020. But let me get this straight. A guy that wore a mask and was a real-life supervillain or hero who hid his identity died on Halloween. Uh, are we in the laziest simulation ever? This is something I've been asking myself lately, and this is an, an aside based on current events as well. Some of the things that have been happening lately, it's just ridiculous. An app named Robinhood has been exposed stealing from the poor to give to the rich. Okay, we're in a bizarre world. And frankly, uh, the writers of this simulation uh, need to step up a little bit because it's too unrealistic, I would say. Okay, so his first posthumous recordings were appearances on two songs for the music of Grand Theft Auto Online. Interesting, so Lunch Break by Flying Lotus and The Chocolate Conquistadors by Bad Bad Not Good. Uh, Weirdly, they were both released in early December before his death became publicly known at the end of the month, so. And then after his death, a bunch of celebrities and artists paid homage. Uh, Tom York said, 
Quote, he was a massive inspiration to so many of us, changed things. For me, the way he put words was often shocking in its genius, comma, using stream of consciousness in a way I'd never heard before. Okay, quick aside. I want to talk about that quote just briefly because uh, it kind of bugs me and there's a pet peeve of mine in there. I can't stand this misconception about rap music. So he says, uh, using stream of consciousness, uh, even freestyle rappers are thinking ahead because you have to think ahead in order to rhyme and to match a beat structure. So that's an inaccurate term. And in my opinion, it also diminishes his hard work a little bit. Uh, it's not magic. He was just really smart and skilled and um, really great at wordplay. Yeah, so if you think of like James Joyce, it's kind of just gibberish and certainly not going to rhyme or, or match any music. Um, and yes, there's a flow to it, which is the goal of rap music to flow. But saying he used stream of consciousness, uh, I think the term you're looking for is non sequiturs. Yes, there are non sequiturs, lots of them. But that's not stream of consciousness. Thank you for coming to my TED. Let's talk about the record cover for the album Mmm Food. <laughs> um, so, yeah, this brings us to Stone's Throw Records. This is uh, Peanut Butter Wolf's label. And um, the artist behind, well, the, the painting was done by Jason Jagel. Yeah. And then the designer was Jeff Jank. That's a lot of J's. Jeff Jank, Jason Jagel. Jason Jagel, Jeff Jank. Pleased to meet you. Um, okay, so Jeff is a designer for and one of the founders of the mythical hip-hop label, Stones Throw Records. But first and foremost, he's the elusive art director and illustrator of the majority of the colorful output of the label. So he has a really interesting take on it. I read an interview where he kind of compared it to the Criterion Collection, how it's such a successful brand because uh, it's like they're part of the music movie business, but they're doing their own thing. And so it's, it's kind of viewed as separate. So it kind of seems like he wanted to do a similar thing with the branding of Stone's Throw to set them apart. I also want to direct you to follow, and I know I'm saying this wrong because there's an umlaut in there, Jason Jagel. <laughs> Obviously, I'm saying that wrong. I'm sorry. But uh, it's at Jagel on Instagram. And he's the painter behind the Mmm Food album cover. He did a Doomsday Show exhibition in 2015 in L.A. There's tons of great stuff online to see. His paintings are very cool. They make me very happy. Definitely, he's tapping into the uh, Saturday morning cartoon feeling from Doom's music. So um, I would check out that artist. label I mentioned a couple times in the bio um, is Lex Records, um, and that's an affiliate of Warp. Uh, and so I thought I would mention uh, the designers behind that label, or I guess the designers they used for Doom's releases, is EH question mark, 
Um, I mentioned the mouse and the mask from 2005. So the U.S. release was on Epitaph and featured sort of a cartoon, cartoony mouse in the doom mask with crossbones um, on an old sort of parchment paper map. Uh, it's okay. Very different from the European release on Lex Records, uh, which has a history of lavish packaging. But this remains one of the luscious sleeves in the catalog designed by EH question mark. The outer sleeve is made from thick, translucent, textured plastic with Doom's mask printed on the cover and mouse ears on each side of the mask forming a pattern that looks like a Rorschach test. Um, the inner sleeve's visible through the outer, at first glance, pattern based on an Ishihara test. Now, the Ishihara test is the colorblindness test. It's all the dots where some of them are green, some are red. The red ones kind of form a number. And um, the test is online. You can take it. There's 18 slides. My diagnosis was normal color vision, although it does get harder as it goes on. So yeah, so the inner sleeves are based on that colorblindness test. And then the inside circles in the records are also the dots, which I think are really cool. But on the sleeves, uh, there's tiny icons depicting different disasters inside the dots. Climate change, acid rain, holy war, nuclear leaks. Um, there's, there'll be close-up photos on my socials and website. Um, so the mouse in the mask was produced by Danger Mouse and it features CeeLo Green, Talib Kweli, Ghostface Killa, Money Mark, uh, and of course the cast of Aqua Teen Hunger Force. I still think it's hilarious. I just re-listened to that album. Uh, and yeah, skits and rap music, you know, sometimes can be a bit much. But uh, I just love that Shake keeps leaving voicemails that get more and more desperate. <laughs> so in an interview with Bonafidemag.com, the uh, Lex imprint has an agenda to release experimental hip hop and the Lex plus EH question mark relationship has blossomed to deliver some of the best music packaging ever seen. Well, it's definitely a lot of layers, like uh, like I was reading earlier when I was describing the packaging. I mean, there's a lot going on, but there's a lot going on in the music. It is very layered. Also, there's lots of samples. Oh boy, popcorn! Who are E? Question mark. They are a UK-based graphic artist crew comprising of many members, each having their own time-served disciplines. They all come from different trade backgrounds. So, for instance. Uh, from different backgrounds, including a postman, refuse collector, a docker, uh, with varying institutional qualifications ranging from grade A plus uh, to a distinction in MA graphic fine art. Uh, formal qualifications don't mean shit to us, though, they say. It's the people who've helped form us along the way. We owe a lot to them. Solidarity, right? So our common binding field of study would be that of typography. Typography is our foundation and something we express a great deal of passion for, but a requisite uh, we often don't fulfill with commercial work. Uh, in quotes, it says, the title has to be legible. Uh, we have our own self-gratifying, creatively free, non-commercial projects on the go. We all have to have those, right? Those keep us happy and uh, working as our individual alter egos or within other crews. Uh, they talk about stereotypes, what it means to be avant-garde. They say they have to hold back with commercial work to make it palatable. But uh, 
they still obsess over their work um, and get it somewhere eventually. And I can relate to that. I never put things out that I'm not at least proud of the quality. I mean, it doesn't have to be my style, but it has to be well done, right? So, and then this quote is really funny. Uh, they say, there's so many cowboys around banging out trash on an hourly rate. It's hard to justify what we do on an ecological level. I can't, I can't help but uh, hearing this in Allie G's voice. Uh, sodomizing the mother earth and her children in the name of enter fucking tainment. So we at least put some passion and soul into it. It's also hard to keep our integrity and stay away from sucking the devil's corporate cock. This is a quote. Uh, also, I'm picturing something forked. Uh, anyway, creating record sleeves is commercial work. We are part of the capitalist structure. It's just a means to pay our way. Our true goal is lies in anti-commodity design art for art's sake. Amen. I'm going to wrap it up here by saying that uh, I really enjoyed listening back to these old records and there's stuff I had never heard before. There's things I missed over the years and I highly recommend uh, giving these albums a listen and checking out the packaging for the records. Um, and I recommend it if you're into cartoons, comic books, weird comedy. It's pretty hilarious stuff. Psychedelia, randomness, absurdity, rebellion, imagery invoking a cartoon-like revenge against the music industry. <laughs> it's kind of satisfying. And I also recommend checking out all the artwork he inspired online. There's so much of it, and it's also different. <clears throat> and... Uh, very sad that he passed. Um, he's gone way too soon. Uh, obviously, I wasn't completely familiar with all his work. I didn't even know about his son. But uh, hopefully, maybe he can get some peace now. And depending on what you believe, maybe he's with his brother. So rest in power, Dumoulay brothers, Doom and Subrock. And I'll end on this quote from the song Chupa Nibre from the album Danger Doom. Came a long way since the days we had to rhyme for rent. It was time well spent, vented, spelt and dented, hell-bented, and heaven-scented. <laughs>